Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. This morning, we are going to continue down the same theme we've been on, talking about the heart of the disciple. So if you're taking notes, this is part three. If you are visiting with us today, or maybe if you've missed the last two weeks, or, or maybe you just need a reminder, I'd encourage you to go check out the podcast. Uh, just for time's sake, uh, I'm not going to kind of do a recap, but I'll just simply uh, hop in with this. Over the past few days, as I've been praying, the Lord has been speaking something to me. In fact, there's like this one word that I keep seeing repeatedly. And, and my, my first natural response to the Lord is, is Lord, that's too simple. And it's just too basic. And I, you know, but at the point, at this point, man, I've walked with God so long, I, I you know, I kind of know his voice. And, and, uh, and I know that when God is putting something on my heart that I don't really need to question it, I don't really need to doubt it, even though I may think that something's simple and everybody's going to look at me like I'm crazy. At the end of the day, I've, I've just learned that there's something that he's pointing out. He's wanting to say it, and it's for someone. Amen? And so this morning, I don't know who it's for. Uh, you may be sitting there and go, well, I already knew that, and move on out of here, and that's fine. Uh, or it may wreck you. I don't know. So I just encourage you to open your heart and just say, Jesus, uh, I'm listening. Would you please talk to me this morning? Because I want to do what you've called me to do, and I want to be who you've called me to be. Amen? Amen? Listen, I want to start before I point out what the one thing is the Lord's saying. I want to begin by reading Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, one more time. It says this. We know this is called the Great Commission. It says, Then Jesus came to them, it's talking about his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This next verse is our key verse for today. And it says, and teaching them. Somebody say teaching. teaching. Who are them? It's, it's those who desire to be his disciples. He says to do what? To obey everything I have commanded or everything I have taught you. Now, when we begin to think about those three verses, uh, I want you to notice that Jesus put an emphasis on his teachings. Is that correct? So, so here's the deal with this, is, is the one thing that really stood out as I've thought about that emphasis this week, and as I've prayed, this is the thought that I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me, and I'll throw it up on the screen, it's really the last part, but it says this, that the success of the Great Commission, the success of what we just read, and our individual success in being disciples hinges or depends on our willingness and our ability to learn from His teachings. Can someone say to learn? Someone say to learn. So like I said, I know that sounds like a given, uh, but there's some things that I think may be in our perspective that the Lord wants to shift this morning if we will let him. So just for a little bit of scriptural foundation here, when it comes to, to learning, I want to read uh, two verses to you. Uh, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 4.19, he simply said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And, and we kind of leave the discipleship uh, bit there. But I want to show you what he also said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28-29. He said, come to me. 
Notice that there's this natural trend that we come to him, right? It says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then he says this key thing in verse 29, take my yoke. Now, what does that mean? Is yoke something that's oppressive? No, the word yoke there actually means teaching. Take my teachings upon you so you can do what? So you can learn from me. The Amplified Bible actually adds, and you can see it there in parentheses, it adds uh, basically that you can learn from me, following me as my disciple. And then it goes on to say, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So often we read that scripture, we hinge on the fact that we can come to God and we can give him our burdens, but we got to remember in the midst of that, he's saying, come to me. Why? So we can learn from him. And the cool part is, is that throughout the gospels, we actually find uh, if it'd be in a synagogue or if it was on the seashore, in a house, on the road, maybe inside the mountain, we see people constantly taking Jesus up on that invitation to come to him. So one example of this, just for scriptural sake, where we actually see this scenario actually playing out in the life and in the ministry of Jesus is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This whole portion of scripture is known as uh, the Sermon on the Mount, but I want you to notice what it says in verses 1 and 2. It says, And seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, what happened? His disciples came to him. You see that scenario again. And once they came to him, it says in verse 2, then he opened his mouth and did what? He taught them. So why would Jesus teach them? Gang, this is so simple. Because he had hope. He had a hope that they would actually learn. Right? So if I can make this simple, for us that are in this room that have had kids or have kids, that, you know, at this point we'd say what? That we never taught something to our children that we didn't hope that they wouldn't learn. Right? Like, like how many of us as parents have thought, man, I'm just breathing air at this moment because they're not even listening. Right? But the intent of our heart is to say, look, I'm trying to teach you something because I want you to learn something. Now, the cool part is when we look at Matthew 28, when we look at, once again, we look at the verse we just read there in Matthew 11, then Matthew 5. What we see is, is these verses are actually reaffirming and confirming the expectation that God has for you and me. And that is this, is that we would do more than just uh, throw him a head nod and say we believe in him, but we would actually become his disciples. Now, why do I say that? Because the word disciple actually means to learn. It's what it means. So in other words, if we are going to be someone who learns, in fact, the more complete picture of that definition is one who is what? Is a lifelong learner, one who follows both the teachings and the teacher. So as we transition here, I'm going to take a really sharp right turn here uh, because the part that's hopping out at me is this, is lifelong learner. Lifelong learner. And the reality is I was studying, I just thought about, man, uh, have you guys ever noticed how, uh, you know, the older we get, the harder it seems to learn? Like, like literally, learning tends to get harder the older we get. If you don't believe me, uh, you know, I'll just say this. Do you ever remember struggling to learn the English language? Go home today and try to learn Spanish and report back next week. Okay, you'll find that it's not so easy as it once was to learn a language. Yes? So let me just use, give you another example that maybe some of us can relate to. Have you ever watched an older person try, for a lack of better words, use a computer? 
Right? Like oftentimes as they try to navigate through seemingly menial tasks, there's this genuine frustration and confusion. And we can even say struggle attached to it as they try to get that stupid thing to work. Right. But on the other hand, listen, you'll see a child come up. They'll plop down in the same seat, same computer, and they'll begin to navigate through that same process with almost complete ease. Right? There's no frustration. There's no confusion attached to it at all. There's almost this joy of just, man, they're just having fun at the moment. Right? Now, now, why is that the case? Why is there one that struggles and the other one, man, it's just easy. It's like breathing. Right? The obvious answer to this is this. It's when the computer was introduced and that individual's learning curve. That's what makes the difference. So think about this for a moment. If you can remember back when... When we were children, right? Listen, as children, we are naturally thrusted in a, into an accelerated learning curve, right? Literally, from the moment we are born. In a relative short period of time, we learn how to uh, you know, sit up on our own. We learn how to crawl. We eventually learn how to walk, and then we learn how to run. We learn the basics of communication, speaking, and listening. Some of us are still learning the second part, listening. And, uh, but then we, we learn how to feed ourselves. We learn how to bathe ourselves, dress ourselves, and thank the Lord Jesus. We learn how to even go to the bathroom by ourselves. And, and then we make this transition, and we enter into school. And at that point, we are surrounded by by a bunch of other kids who are in the same learning curve that we're in, and it's there we learn how to read, we learn how to do math. It's like we learn, uh, you know, to do what this, or let me say this, this generation is learning how to uh, even use computers, right, in that spot. And so it's also in our childhood where we begin to hone our motor skills and learn how to play sports, a musical instrument, video games, so on. My, my point is this, is simply that when we're children, we are literally put in a spot where we have an opportunity to learn in an accelerated way, right? But at some point, guess what, guys? We complete not just high school and for some of us college, but we complete our childhood and we complete our adolescent years and we get a job and we get married and we have some youngins and, uh, and we get this thing called a mortgage and we have responsibilities. Life happens, right? And slowly but surely, our learning curve, which was at one time so like, man, on the right trajectory, man, that thing begins to flatten out. And as we begin uh, to flatten out in our learning curve, guess what? We begin to create and we begin to settle into these things called new habits, Right, And it's at that point we're no longer engulfed in this atmosphere of learning. Uh, and we start saying and we start hearing people say things like what? You can't teach an old dog new tricks or computer skills. <laughs> right? Like it just doesn't work. And so it's here. There is a point to all this. It's here in this phase of life called adulthood. Guess what? That we find ourselves contending with what researchers uh, refer to as the five common barriers of adult learning. The five common barriers of adult learning, and they are this, and it's apart from money. In other words, if you decide in your heart, it's really what they're saying, you're like, man, I, I want to go back to school. These are five things that will cause some complication. Number one is called a lack of time. Can I get an amen? The second one is this, is, is one of the barriers is a lack of balance. And what that means is this, is is that we will actually begin to struggle to maintain a social life as we try to juggle work and our family commitments as well. Like, man, like we, we, we lack balance, right? And it's kind of like this. Remember, remember what it was like as couples before we had kids. 
Social life was pretty rocking. You had a kid, threw him in the mix, have a second, have a third, have a fourth, uh, hopefully have enough wisdom to stop at that point. Uh, That's what I'm I'm telling myself. And so uh, that at that point, guess what? That man, that social life isn't what it used to be. How many of you guys know you don't get invited as many places as you used to when you got four youngins? Amen. All right, so anyways, and then there's this thing, the fourth thing there, it's called a lack of flexibility. And why is that a deal? It's because this, it's because people are so settled into their schedule and their habits, they're unwilling to have flexibility so they can actually go and learn. I skipped number three, didn't I? Number three, that literally this, have a lack of motivation. So they have a lack of motivation. In other words, a lot of times when we go, let's learn something new, eh, what's the point? Right? And the fifth one there, the fifth one is this, is, is due to a lack of supportive community. In other words, when we get to be where we're at today in life, we're not exactly rubbing elbows with a bunch of people who want to learn. Right? So if we can think about it for a moment, when we look at those five things, if we look at one, two, four, three, and five, right? When we look at those, <laughs> then what we see is this, is, man, we actually think back to when we were kids for a moment, and we realize, man, that none of those things were an issue, right? That, like, life, school, right, provided all those things for us, and we were wrapped up in an environment of learning every day. And because we were wrapped up in that, it was easy to maintain a posture of learning, if you will, that enabled us to grow and mature as individuals. All right. So here's the point. Obviously, those researchers are talking about the secular structure of education when it comes to that. But I think if we're being honest today that we would say, you know what, all five of those barriers are just as applicable to me today when it comes to my spiritual learning and being a disciple of Christ. True or not true? Like how many times have I sat with people and they said, Pastor, I hear you, but I don't have time. And as you talk, you find they don't have balance. And then you find, man, they're maybe they're not seeing the motivation to change. And then you see, man, they're unwilling to be flexible. And then when it gets down to it, because we have this attitude, I don't know why so often in the church, let me come in and, and, and hopefully nobody will look at me, speak to me or anything, and then I'll leave. Then guess what? I don't have a supportive community. Is that too strong? So, which means this, guys, please listen to this. That it is possible for you and I to be born again and on our way to heaven, but yet we are still hindered in our journey of becoming the disciples or the lifelong learners that God wants us to be because we are stuck in the habits of our natural stage of life called adulthood. So in other words, what happens is is we allow that flattening of our natural learning curve have a negative impact on our spiritual learning curve. True or not true? So I think, I think it's this. When we find ourselves in a spot, in other words, when we sit around, we go, okay, yep, I can acknowledge that. When we find ourselves in that spot and we're now aware of it, I think you and I have a choice we can make. We can either do what so many people do, and that's we can begin to redefine what learning means. Or we can actually embrace what God is maybe desiring to do in us through the Holy Spirit as he's trying to come alongside of us to create a new rhythm of life and so he can help us regain our posture of learning. Am I making sense? So for those people who redefine it, what do I mean by that? I, I, have, I have been in the church world. I didn't grow up in church, but I've been born again now for a little over 20 years, and I've seen so many people redefine what it means to be a learner. And here's the number one way I've seen people redefine it is this, is that they make the mistake, number one, by believing that hearing the teachings of Jesus equals being a learner of Jesus. 
They believe that hearing the teachings of Jesus equals being a, being a learner of Jesus. The second thing that I've seen that is funny, because the first one I think, yeah, yeah, we all get that. The second one I think we, we're so accustomed to doing what we do, we don't, even, we don't even recognize it. But it's this, is we make the mistake by believing that observing others function in the kingdom equals being a learner of Jesus. But, but what does it really mean to learn? So listen, to maybe sit back and give you an illustration and show you why those two concepts don't work, let me give you, let me give you an example here. Um, you know, my daughter sitting over there, I'm picking on you today, picked on you at first two services, you weren't here. So anyways, so we'll make it really good now. I'm just kidding. So in two years, she's going to be 15 years old and a foot taller than me. Okay. But, but literally she's going to be at some point 15. Hey dad, look, I am, I am ready to drive. Can you, can you teach me how to drive? And I say, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going, I just got to get the word in here, so I got to give a country to you. I'm going to learn you. Okay? <laughs> Didn't know a better way to fit it. There we go. So, so let's say, I say, okay, look, on Saturday morning, you and I are going to get up. I want you to sit in the front passenger seat of the car. And, and while I drive, I want you to take the opportunity to observe me operating and driving the vehicle. Okay, and, and as we drive, I simply begin to do this. I begin to point out the gas pedal and the brake pedal and how you use them and what they do. And, you know, in my generation, what the clutch does. Right. Anyways. And then what happens is, is I said, OK, that's enough. We did that for a while. So I pull over into a parking lot and I get out and I pop the hood, pop it open. And I begin to point out a few things about the engine that I think is important for her to know. And then I walk over and I do the old the old car salesman trick. I kick the tire. Right. And I begin to tell her about air pressure in the tire, why that's important. And then I say, OK, well, let's hop back in the car and we begin to drive. And now I begin to point out the signs and I begin to talk about the laws of the land. If you're going to drive a vehicle and then I pull back into our driveway and I go, great, you learn how to drive today. Like, do, do we really think that, you know, even if we did that every Saturday for six months, that all that hearing and all of that observing really means that she learned how to drive? Talk to me. No, no, absolutely not. And the reason is, and we all get it, it's because she never physically drove or experienced driving the car herself. So, so if you can, please tell me, why do we think all of that hearing and observing doesn't work there, but yet we act like it works here. Right? Like, like why do we think that, that somehow a bunch of hearing and a bunch of observing will somehow help us become the learner and the disciple of Jesus that he wants us to be when that's as far as it goes? It's not going to work like that, right? Now, this might be strong, but I think, unfortunately, so many Christians... Uh, have become satisfied with observing others as they seek God and as they operate in their gifts and calling. Like somehow that, that's enough for them. If I, can, if I can watch that guy Stephen Furtick preach, woo, that's good for me. Man, if I, can watch, if I can watch them worship on stage, man, that makes me feel good. I feel apart. Right? Like, and here's what's crazy. Here's the God honest truth. 
is so such a large portion of the church, they've become addicted to hearing sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. It's like I, I, they'll go to church on Sunday, listen to the sermon. They'll go catch a podcast. They'll go watch YouTube. And, and it's like, man, all that hearing and hearing and hearing and all that observing, observing, observing. And somehow they fool themselves into believing that they can become disciples through those methods. Right? In short, what happens is, is, can I be honest, that they are satisfied with becoming a fan of Jesus. And they fail to forget that Jesus invited them to be a disciple of his. Right? And I want you to know today, and, and this isn't beating anybody up, this is just shooting straight with you. That, listen, Jesus isn't looking for fans. Okay? He's not Robert Kraft in the, in the Pats. They're not looking for more people to fill a seat to get money out of. Right? Jesus doesn't want to sit back and go, yay, Jesus, you're awesome. You did great today. Good job. Good job. Dun -dun -dun, dun -dun -dun. Right? He's just not interested. He is, listen, he doesn't want a fan base. He wants disciples. And that's us. Amen? Amen. So, so what's the proof that we are learning of Christ? Like that, that we're actually, A, we should be coming to him on a regular basis. But what's the proof that we are actually learners of Christ? Like at what point can we say that we have learned something? Right? Like if I give you this analogy before I read this. Because all of you guys probably already know the answer. But, but it's this. It's like uh, with my kids. Okay? I don't know how many years I have said this. We are five minutes from the house. I said, okay, guys, you know what you need to do when you get in the house. Okay? And, and, and they'll rattle it off. And it depends on who's having a good day, how good they do at it. Uh, but there's a, typically a, a, a unity that finds its way there. Okay? It is simply this. When you get to the house, you need to go downstairs. Right? You need to put on your pajamas. You need to go to the bathroom. And you need to brush your teeth. Three simple steps. Right? Go downstairs, right, and put on your pajamas, brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, whatever. I don't even care the order. Just do those three, right? And yet we get home and we, and we say, okay, whatever, 30 minutes later, we're hollering downstairs. And somebody runs up and they're half naked. And then, you know, this one, met, you know, run around with the toothbrush and whatever. But, but as far as this went, anyways, it's, it's just a mess, Right? Would we say that all that hearing became learning? No, all right? So, so listen, so what's the proof that we have learned something? Let's look at James chapter 1, forewarning. I picked the most wordy version I could to share this with, and I'm not quite sure why. Verse 22, Brother James. It says, but prove yourselves doers of the word. Do you understand that word, yourself? That means it's your responsibility. Amen? Yeah. Look, look, your mama can't do it for you. Your daddy can't do it for you. Your brother can't do it for you. Your sister, okay? As we say in the South, mama and them can't do it for you. All right? You got to do it for yourself. There's a responsibility that you have. It says, but prove yourself. Prove yourself as a disciple, right? By being doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts. And not merely listeners... Who hear the word but fail to eternalize its meaning. Can I just pause there for a second? Y'all please listen to me. Please listen to me. Jesus would rather you be able to quote ten scriptures 
and you actually do those 10 scriptures than for you to be able to quote 3,000 and not do a thing. Okay, that's what we're saying here. Because it's this point, it says, look, if you fail to eternalize, if you refuse to apply it to your life, it says you are deluding or you are deceiving yourself. Get that. Nobody else is deceiving you. You are deceiving yourself. Verse 23, for if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. Can I bring that into some modern day language? It's simply this, man, that if you've been coming to church for 20 years and you week after week after week after week walk out of this building and you don't apply a single thing that you heard, then it's talking about you. You're a man who looks in the mirror, walks away and forget what he looks like. Am I making sense? That you actually sit down Got you a cup of coffee, cup of joe, okay, and read the Bible for 30 minutes. And if you get away and you can't remember what it was said, don't apply anything to your life, it's talking about you. Amen? Amen. Um, let me maybe stop here and say this. I cannot remember if I've already said this here. So if I did, senior moment. All right, here we go. But listen, I could say this in 20 plus years of ministry. I don't know how many counseling appointments I have been in. Only Jesus knows. Okay? Are y'all awake? Yeah. All right. Me too. It's so funny because I have sat down in meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, and I cannot tell you how many times I know that I know that I know that the Holy Ghost gave me insight, and I spoke truth to the individual, exactly what they needed to hear. And I can't tell you how many times probably hundreds of times over the years, those people have said that they knew that. And, and I'm just like, man, they're a hearer of the word only. Like, if they would just do what they know, then life would be much better. Right? Right? Like, for real. And so, and so today, before I move, and I'm, I'm just going to kind of beat a bush here for a second, okay? Because I'm going to repeat myself about 15 times until we, until we got it here. But I would, I would almost guarantee that every person in this room, that if you spend any time with God, that you know somewhere along the line that there's something that he wants you to do, and he has repeatedly told you to do it, and repeatedly told you to do it, go downstairs, put on your pajamas, right? Brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, and get in bed. That he's had that conversation with you a thousand times over, but yet you still haven't done anything with it. Why? Because you haven't learned yet. Right? So watch this. Now where we're at in life, I don't have to tell my kids that all the time because they've learned it. Two of them need it repeated more than the other two, but we're still learning them. I'm going to learn you. Verse 23. For if anyone, once again, anyone listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his face, natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully what continues, abides, remains by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but is a, here's a learner, is an active doer, one who obeys, that guy, that gal will be blessed and favored by God in what he or she does. 
in his or her life of obedience. Great place to say amen. amen. So listen, according to Brother James here, when do we actually become a learner or a disciple of Jesus? It's when we actually do or we actually put into practice. We are become an active doer in what we say we believe. Amen? So notice today it's not in the hearing, it's not in the, it's not in the repeating of what some preacher said or somebody else said. It's not, uh, you know, it's not even the understanding that we have the ability to go, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's not even in the exposure of watching someone else. All of that's good and even necessary. We can get a lot out of that. But it's in the application or the doing of the things that we've heard, things that we understand, things we've seen and even experienced where we actually prove that we have become a learner of of Christ right let me give you three verses here and we'll land this thing okay awesome John chapter 6 verse 45 it says it is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God like what an incredible statement do y'all get that that God says I'll come teach you like that God's willing to be personal with personal with us and teach us and then he says this therefore everyone who has heard and learned you get that heard and learned from the Father comes to me. If it was the same thing, he wouldn't have divided it. It's the fact that it's heard and learned are two different things. Now listen to this. Once again, taking it home in uh, James chapter 1 there. Look at uh, Philippians 4, 9. It, it kind of reaffirms it. It says this. It says, keep putting into practice. Somebody say practice. practice. All you learn. So here's what's so neat about this, at least to me, and you got to hear it from a heart of grace, is he says, keep putting it into practice. Why? Because guess what? You're not going to get it right the first time, and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay, right? Like all he's saying is, look, just keep doing what you hear. And what happens is, and I can tell you from experience, that, you know, when the Holy Spirit speaks something to me, or I read something in the Bible, and it, and it grabs a hold of me, and you know what? I don't, I don't immediately leave that moment and just, man, hit a grand slam. What happens is, is I have to remind myself, and the Holy Spirit helps me, and I get it, I go wrong, I get it, I go wrong, I get it, I get it, 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 get it. What happens is the space between not getting it and getting it shrinks if I just keep practicing it. Right? It's no different than if we learned how to play a sport, like, you know, whatever. If you're going to play baseball, here's how you hold the bat. You may not hold the bat the right the first 50 times you grab it, but, man, on the 51st time, man, now you got it positioned right. Right? Now I'm kicking the ball right. Now I'm, it's the same thing, and God's just saying, look, just do it. Yeah. Right? Just learn. I mean, how do you learn? You apply it. Let me give you one more verse to back all this up. Uh, it's a verse I really like that I think um, has been wrongly preached in a lot of churches and it's Hosea 4 6 okay it's a kind of an obscure verse but it says this it says for my people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge and the way that that verse is preached so often is in this way that some of you guys have heard me say this before but it's like this that people say you know what because something someone hasn't preached because that individual uh, hasn't read uh, that in the Bible or whatever that they are ignorant and because they are ignorant because they're dumb because they don't understand it that's why their lives are being destroyed by the enemy and I want you to know Dave that's not what it means now does that certainly apply yes okay so the the application of that idea is true but what it really means when you read it in context is this is that the priest came and they taught it 
But what happened was, is there was a failure between the teaching and they did this. It wasn't in the hearing. It wasn't in the understanding. It wasn't in the knowledge. It was because they failed to actually apply what was being taught. Their lives were destroyed, right? So go back to that counseling meeting, right? Why are those people's lives getting destroyed? Because they're just not doing what they know, right? And so listen, there's many of you in this room that can quote a lot of scripture. So, but my, my question for you today is, man, are, are you really, really, really applying it? Like that's where we get down to the heart of a disciple, correct? And, and so it's just kind of like this idea that if we could ask ourselves today, man, like how well are we doing in this area of God's expectation for our spiritual lives? Like are we still coming to him with an attitude of openness, with curiosity and desire to learn of him in an experiential way? Or have we said, well, I'm, I've been doing this a long time. I'm good. I promise you, promise you, you haven't found all of him. Amen? So listen, do we still possess a teachable spirit that longs to grow and mature in the things of the spirit? Do we have that? And I think if we want to get that, let's rewind that, that, that uh, list of five there again, Aubrey, that is this. That if I want to somehow create a posture of learning in me, then guess what i got to begin to do? i got to make time. Do yourself a favor. For all of us in this room that give the excuse up to people that say, I don't have time to do those things. I, just, just do me a favor. Compare how much time you spend at a sporting event, how much time you spend watching TV, how much time you spend on the internet, Facebook, right, YouTube, Instagram, and then honestly be able to tell yourself, like, can you keep lying to yourself that you don't have enough time? Because you are. You're deceiving yourself. Because every one of us have the same amount of time, in essence, to get something done, right? And God, if, we, if we're willing to partner with the Holy Spirit, He will show us how to make time. He'll help us find pockets. And it may not be what somebody else does. It may be unique for you, right? Amen. Listen, the next thing is this, is we got to find balance. And it comes with that peace. we got to put our priorities in order, yes? The next thing is this, we got to have motivation. And so I just say this, it may sound strong, but if you're here today and you're just like, ah, whatever, I, you know, it's not that really that important, then somewhere you got to get hungry for God, right? And then that last one there, you got to be flexible. In other words, you can't be so set and not be willing to move. And then this last one that's really, really important is you got to be open to let people in your lives that can actually come alongside of you and encourage you, right, and challenge you. We got to quit being YMCA babies that just want to be encouraged and never be challenged. Right? So, so there's this side that it's this, that man, that God's called us on a path of life. It's a journey. And he's called us to walk with people because he's relational. I say this all the time. But, but it's this thing that understand that if you're on this trail of life, that you're not walking on alone. And if you're walking on alone, you're not in the will of God. Okay? God, God, if you let him, in fact, he probably has them around you already. They may not look like you, smell like you, talk like you, and act like you. But he's got people around you that are willing to get on the path of life with you. And what happens is that person isn't, as, as my buddy Josh that was here the other day, they, you know, they're not constantly uh, you know, meant to shove you and pull you and do all of that. But what they are there is that when we come to a spot, and if anybody's ever hiked before, you know, sometimes there's spots where, guess what, you, you need somebody to give you a boost. You need somebody to get, pull you up. You need somebody to push you up. And that's why those people are there. And so guess what? we got to find it. But, but part of that is this. Part of the reason we don't do it is because we really don't like correction. 
Can I be honest? Let me read you a verse here. Proverbs 12 one says this. It says, to learn, to learn, you must love discipline. To learn, you must love discipline. In this part, it is stupid to hate correction. Man, it's stupid, right? So, so in this sense, if we're going to really learn of God, then I think we got to be willing to unlearn some things. So to, to understand that, that literally, listen, God is trying to teach us new things. And if we're going to walk in his ways, right? If we're going to walk in, in the things that he has for us, then we got to stop doing other things. And we got to unlearn some things. In other words, minds, uh, mindsets need to shift. He will deprogram you and then program you if you'll let him. Right, but a lot of times what we what we try to do is this: is we try to go, here's my life, and that let Jesus as an add-on accessory to our lives, and then we try to somehow make His thinking and my thinking work. No, 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 no. The Bible says I have the mind of Christ. I need to think like He thinks. Amen. Amen. If you notice what we talked about a while ago, we said this: we said that we we graduate high school, whatever, some form of education, childhood, adulthood, or sorry, uh, adolescence. And what happens is, is we begin to get married, have kids, get a job, whatever. And then sometimes we go through a divorce. Sometimes we get remarried. Sometimes my, my point is this, is, is life is full of transitions. Okay? And, and I think a lot of times when we, and I'm saying this because of things that I've been hearing out of Cultivate, is a, a lot of times what happens is, is we, we have a hard time when we transition. We think we lose something with Jesus. Like we begin to question our salvation. We begin to question if we were really ever right with God. We begin to question. And, and, and it's not, that's not what's happening. What's happening is, is God's going to, when you shift into transition, he's just looking, guess what? You're not doing that anymore. You're doing this. Your, your, your life is different. So now we've got to find a new rhythm of life, and you've got to learn how to connect with me. And so instead of beating yourself up and feeling like you've lost something, you just need to allow Jesus to give you a new rhythm. Am I making sense to you all? Like, like for me, listen, when, when I was a single man, I would, I would wait till the world got quiet. I would go about 10 o'clock, and I would go pray from about 10 to 1 o'clock in the morning in some field or some, uh, you know, uh, parking lot or some football field. I'd find some isolated place in the dark, and I would just go talk to Jesus, right? Well, how many of you guys know when I got married, leaving the house at 10 o'clock at night for three hours wasn't going to work? Right? Amen? So, so, so listen, it, guess what? We've been married for 17 years. It still doesn't work. Right? So, so I, I mean, th even this past week, I mean, I, I never knew I had a bedtime. But this past week, I learned I have a bedtime. I, I do. I, have, I, have a, I do. I do. I, man. All right. I thought my mom lived in Alabama. But it's... Uh, <laughs> So, so, but, but it's this thing that, here, here's my point, okay, I'm, obviously I'm just having fun, but, but there's, this, there's this idea here that, guess what, I've had to find a new rhythm if I'm going to go spend time with Jesus. Like, i got to wake up earlier. Like, i got to find time to get away from everybody during the day so I can go be with Jesus, right? And so be open to whatever that rhythm is because God's still drawing you and connecting with you. Your purpose hasn't changed. His plan for your life hasn't changed Right? It's just going to look a little different. Does that make sense? Let me pray for you if you don't mind. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for today. Lord, 
in correspondence to even what we were singing earlier, Jesus, we just love you. Jesus, we love you. And we want, to, we want to do and we want to be everything that you've called us to do and be. And Lord, whatever all this looks like, we just say to you today from our own hearts, God, we want to be learners. We want to come to you. We want to accept that invitation. And we want to learn of you. And so, Lord, would you do whatever you need to do in us to help us find that new rhythm of life so we can have the posture of learning. Lord, we don't want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. And so, Lord, I even ask right now that just Holy Spirit, whatever it is that people that you've been pointing out to people, all of us, of stuff that we need to shift and change, things that need to come into order, things that need to come in alignment. Lord, I just simply ask, God, that you just wouldn't remind them. But Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and just help them. I ask you to help them, empower them to get victory in those areas and begin to do what you called them to do. So, Lord, we just say once again, our lives are yours. Every dream, every aspiration, God, everything we want to be and do, Lord, we surrender it to you because, God, we really just want your will because we know it's best for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless. Thank you.